What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Coaches Combine Podcast. I'm here with a special guest today who is an Army veteran, a certified strength and conditioning specialist, a certified um, steel mace and steel club senior coach from Onnit, and is also a body architect at Anatomy, which is an amazing facility in Miami, Florida. So, uh, Grant Wieditz, thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I know you stay very busy, so how are things going? Things are going great, and I appreciate you having me on the show, Tim. Thank you. Absolutely, uh, brother. No, things are going good. It's um, you know summer in Miami, so it's it's hot. Uh, you know, there's two seasons there. It's, it's you know it's hot and it's hotter. <laughs> so I guess we're in the hotter phase right now, and we're you know we still got a couple months left of that. Uh, lots lots of people out of town, but um, step, definitely staying busy, uh, doing a lot of things, uh, some personal projects, and, and stuff's going on. It's, it's it's going. It's going well. So very cool. I'm I strong too through the summer awesome i have not made it down to miami yet been to florida plenty of times but i want to make it to miami and i definitely want to come down uh to anatomy and come check it out because that place looks unreal oh, i mean anatomy is amazing i mean miami in general is a, it's a hotbed of fitness mm-hmm. so there's lots to check out um in comparison to to other cities i mean it's up there with like the new york's and la's of having so many options and 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 ways to go about your fitness um i'm from suburban chicago so there's not a ton of options there uh, <laughs> so so it's kind of a night and day difference for me but um i mean it's, it's a great place to live and it's it's pretty much my home at this point very cool so I'll t- to all the listeners out there grant and i actually met at a workshop uh at on headquarters in austin texas mm-hmm. that was hosted by dr john russin uh, and one of those days when we had some free time, I saw Grant like straight up manhandling the maces and clubs like a badass. And I was like, yep. I was like, I got to learn how to do that. <laughs> and uh, so ever since then, I, I mean, I bought my own mace and clubs to practice with. And dude, I'll tell you what, those are some pretty humbling pieces of equipment to work with. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, I teach four classes a week, uh, two of them with the mace, one of them with the club and uh, and then a kettlebell class. Um, so, yeah, the maces and clubs are extremely humbling and uh, sometimes i forget how humbling they can be oh yes because i mean i've worked with them for at this point it's been um almost a little over three years oh wow and and then uh and then the people that i train in my class the people that take my group class and then tons of all my one-on-one clients they're they're at this point they've become pretty experienced also so i i don't always i don't get the um as much of the the newbie kind of have never seen it never touched it as, right. uh, as I did a few years back. So I have to definitely remind myself that there's um, there's people out there that have never even heard of the thing, much less gotten their hands on it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for all the coaches out there that are kind of unfamiliar with the steel mace and the steel clubs, can you shed some light on those pieces of equipment and kind of tell them why you enjoy using them so much? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I mean, it's kind of a, in a direct relationship with kettlebells. It's, it's really kind of a, a connecting point between a you know a more conventional weight like a you know dumbbell uh, barbell that is meant to be moved in a very linear fashion, and in a kettlebell which is you know people know it as know them most popularly as for kettlebell swings mm-hmm. so more of a, a hinging movement kind of moving through an arced plane, and that's essentially what the the maces and clubs are, but in a slightly different way. So you know your mace is going to be a longer handled object with all the weight offset towards one end. Um, and in your club is going to be, you know, a little bit smaller as far as far as shorter, um, can be the same weight, but, um, it's going to be more kind of, I always call it like, uh, refer to it 
for those that have no idea what I'm talking about, like in, in my gym, uh-huh. as, as like a bowling pin or baseball bat looking thing. Like yeah. That's kind, of just, that's kind of what I go with on the, uh, the just like the offhand like description of it just uh-huh. like for the layman, the layperson out there. Um, but but yeah, so they, they move through arcs, arced planes as well um, for, for most movements. Um, they can be used more generally as like an extension or a variation of a barbell or dumbbell and move just the same way. But generally, what I like to do most often is use them in more of a unique way where there's kind of specific moves related to the tool. So yeah. like you, there's stuff that you can't really do with anything else that you can do with either the mace, either the club, or sometimes like both. Like there's the, you know, the 360 that everyone knows um, that's even remotely familiar with the steel mace. Maybe if they haven't done it, they've, they've seen it on a video before, somebody doing an overhead 360 movement. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can do that that same move with a club, and it, it feels different, and it, it's very much there's different demands. And you can do it with a kettlebell, and you know, and not a, you don't think about it as a 360, but you know, a kettlebell halo. It's essentially the same movement, the same movement patterns, anyways. The, the just the weight is different, so it makes it feel and look a little bit different. But there's a lot of similarities that kind of cross over between those three tools. Yeah, and man, I when I got my steel mace and my clubs in the mail, and I was like, all right, you know, the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna practice this 360. And I was like, it doesn't mm-hmm. look that hard. Right. <laughs> and when I did it, like I said before, humbled me really quickly. And just going through, and whether it's learning from you or like Sam Pogue or just some different people in the industry who are really good with the mace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it really makes me feel almost like a beginner again, not in the sense of just learning something new and the novelty of it, but also like, it feels like my strength is almost not even there. It's just completely different. And what would you point to as what, what led you to think that way about it after, after you had played with it for the first time, like what, what was holding you back? Um, I think it, it definitely challenges your mobility and stability a whole lot more, but it's, mm-hmm. it's challenging you. It's challenging you in those facets in different ranges of motion and different planes. Like you were saying, working like the, that arc motion and stuff like that mm-hmm. um, definitely challenged me way differently. Cause I'm, like you said, I'm so used to working in a linear fashion and mm-hmm. I've done some different things, rotational movements and stuff and some athletic movements, um, but you're more classic style things. Um, but definitely bringing that mace into the, into the game where it has that offset weight and then you're playing in different ranges of motion and different planes i mean that's it's like a game changer exactly no that's that's definitely what i noticed too is that a lot of it's like a, a fear factor in the <laughs> beginning too it's like especially if you've seen somebody do it um you see somebody do it bad badly and then you're kind of like a little bit worried about what may happen when that mace the mace weight falls behind you and then swings around and it's coming really close to your body yeah at a high rate of speed or a higher rate of speed than you're comfortable with and then that's where everything kind of just tenses up and tightens up. And then, you know, you're just kind of muscling through the movement, you know, even if it's a seven or 10 pound mace for, you know, the biggest, you know, average size male, it, it can be very challenging to get that thing around there if you're all kind of bound up with muscle tension. Yeah. So I mean, just kind of to release that. Would you say that maybe working with a mace or a club, you almost have, you have to be strong, of course, but do you feel like you almost have to be, less tense and more like more relaxed to handle it more smoothly without a doubt that's one probably one of the biggest cues that i repeatedly give over and over again in different ways depending on the issue that i'm seeing in class or with a one-on-one um is yeah just it's a different way of saying 
<laughs> my wife responds to the term of relax very well so i try not to say re- i try not to say relax yeah <laughs> i'll use a personal reference there oh yeah i can vouch um, i can i can vouch for that too yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're telling someone to relax doesn't usually work because it just makes them like less relaxed yeah but uh try to find try to be strategic with it and, and find a different way of saying you know, loosen up the arms let the mace fall behind you like let your let your elbows reach to the sky as your hands reach to the ground. Like one of those type of cues to kind of guide someone through it or to it, uh, to a point where they can just let the weight do the work and not try to muscle the, you know, the thing through his movement. Yeah, absolutely. So in the time that I've known you, I've seen you do a bunch of amazing things as a coach from training all different types of unique group exercise classes to one-on-one training. Uh, you helped create programs with Onnit, uh, and you mm-hmm. also worked with like the Propel uh, Water for their fitness festival. And then, of course, you do your own training and stuff, which looks like a bunch of different training uh, methods all put together. Um, so, you know, how did you develop yourself into such a great coach? You know, and, and you know, you've been blessed with those great opportunities that you've been given. So how have you done that? I appreciate that. Uh, well, I'm first, it's kind of more or less I'm aligning myself with people that I truly believe in, which is, I think, the starting point and needs to be the starting point for really any good trainer or coach. And and just to have that mentorship or leadership, whether it's, you know, whether it's a formal and informal, uh, whether they're your boss or whether just the person that's kind of above you in the, the hierarchy of whichever, whatever you're involved with, organization or company, um, just having people that you want to pattern yourself after um, in front of you or ahead of you. So uh, that's what I've done with on it and with anatomy, those two in particular, the, the propel opportunity came through anatomy. So that was, that was kind of just everything kind of fell into place as, as one thing led to another. Um, I got that luckily for me, my, that opportunity with propel in LA and then again here in Miami. Very cool. So, I mean, you know, you're talking about surrounding yourself with, you know, people who inspire you and make you mm-hmm. grow, but yeah, what kind of steps do you take to go out and connect with those people that maybe you you haven't even met before and you just kind of want to bring them into your inner circle and make you better? How do you go out and connect with them? I think showing someone that you're you're committed and that you don't you're not doing something for um, and that you don't have any kind of ulterior motives in a kind of like a uh, selfish way. Like you're not trying to just take or get something from someone and then be done with them like that. You're genuinely interested in what they offer whether it's um, uh, intellectual property or whether it's employment or whether whatever it may be mm-hmm. um, and just and kind of pursuing it, even if that involves, especially I should say, especially if it involves sacrifice, that is sort of a way of proving yourself that to that person or the team that you're willing to go the extra mile with them and, and kind of be a part of whatever they're involved with. You know, So like for on it, like I, I've never had any kind of affiliation with anybody from Austin, Texas before I saw a little video on Instagram of Isik, you know, Eric Milan, the right. Mace master coach, uh, doing some 360 work. This is probably the beginning of 2015, mm-hmm. somewhere around January, February, when I uh, just decided to book my flight to Austin and buy the $500 uh, foundations certification that Onnit offers. And flew myself out there not knowing a soul in Austin and just kind of connecting with people, um, genuinely being interested in what was offered. I'm not just kind of there to, t- to say I had the cert, not, but like that was the farthest thing. I, I could care less about the certification, the, the pa- piece of paper that I received from that, right. that experience. It was like I, I just absorbed so much in those two days, not even 
in an intellectual way, like like exercises, but just developing or planting the seeds of developing relationships between the coaches that were teaching it. And a lot of the people that were in my my surf that were taking it as well alongside me, there's, there's people that I still talk to today that like that we've become very good friends and they've kind of followed or been on the same path that I that I'm on. You know, that yeah. I'm currently, I won't even say I'm like that I, I was on because it's like a never ending path, really. It's kind of just winds its way through. Um, and I found myself in a senior coach position, which is essentially what kind of one step below the master coaches. So mm-hmm. for all the, the the streams of education that Honored offers through whether it's a mace club, kettlebell, um, uh, what's the other ones? Uh, we got suspension trainers, barbell now, um, like through all those different streams, battle ropes. Um, there's a master coach that oversees it all that kind of puts together the curriculum um, mm-hmm. with uh, John Wolf and, and Shane Hines from on it. They're kind of the two head guys with the education system. Um, they put together the curriculum for the stream and then they have a senior coach that um, kind of goes along with all the certs and, and travels and does whatever is necessary to assist in implementing those two day 16 hour certs, whether they're in Austin, Texas, or whether they're remote somewhere else. So I found myself in that senior coach position, um, just purely by the interest that I've had, the investment I've made on, you know, financial level traveling to, to get a bunch of different certs, just showing interest in being uh, genuinely involved and in, in caring about what's going on with, um, with that company and with what they have to offer. So, and then they reached out to me and we made it happen. That's awesome. And, and I, I completely agree about the workshop opportunities that sometimes, you know, going there and learning the new skills and getting the education is amazing. But I really feel like, um, I mean, just talking about the, the pain-free performance seminar that you and I both attended at, mm-hmm. on it, I really feel like that, yeah, John shared some amazing material with us that made us better as coaches, but the the experience of networking and making new friends and the yes. experience is is just unreal. And I really think that's what makes a workshop a workshop. And uh, I mean, just like that, I mean, you know, you and I became friends and, and they were able to mm-hmm. do this podcast and things like that. So that's really cool. But I, I really like how you said that it's not about, you know, those certain aspects of what you directly go for, but it's about investing and planting those seeds of the relationships. And I really think, like you said, that's the best way to connect and kind of be successful in the industry. Yes, by, by far, everything you said there, that was, I mean, it's the relationships that are developed from these experiences are what they, what you should be looking for when going to these sort of things, like NSCA events, the national strength and conditioning stuff, and like anything like Sornex has the summer strong event they do every year. Um, Elite FTS has a thing they do it up in Ohio. Same thing. It's like mm-hmm. you go to these things, not to like take notes and find that, find that like technical piece of information that's going to make you a better coach. It's just the stuff to make you a better person. Yeah. Um, to make you a better trainer. Yes. Um, but usually it's like to improve the intangible things, not the things that you can necessarily take notes on, but to kind of just improve your life skills. Absolutely. Are you, uh, do you know the, the Swiss event, the Swiss like symposium in Canada? Uh, I'm not familiar. No. Okay. I'm going to that this year and, John, okay. John uh, will be up there with a bunch oh, of other presenters and stuff like that. So that should be pretty cool. Do you remember Seth that was at the uh, JRX event? Of course. Uh, Seth Gibson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, me, yeah, and, yeah. me and him are going to go up there. We're, we're uh, going up there awesome. together and checking out. So it should be pretty fun. So like when you did um, – you did what, the new Onnit program that's coming out. You helped like kind of put that together or film or do some exercise with for the, it? Yeah, yeah. With with the Onnit, the kettlebell um, 
the kettlebell variation of their their on its six program they call it so it's a six week program mm-hmm. um with the three different levels of intensity so there's three people out there you see three people on the floor and then john kind of narrating and guiding those three people through the the workout at hand mm-hmm. and there's you know a level one person doing like the kind of base level stuff level two the intermediate and then level three um doing the more advanced stuff all at the exact same time so you can kind of get gauge yourself or gauge your progress against those three that are you know doing doing all doing essentially the same stuff but um just a little bit different progressions or regressions of of movements so yeah i did the the kettlebell we did the filming for that in april so hopefully i mean i'm kind of waiting like every any any day now any week now <laughs> they're gonna release that because the the body weight version came out first which i think was may if not if i'm not mistaken so mm-hmm. i was thinking like oh six weeks gonna go by and then and then the next one comes out but it's been six weeks and um they, they, they got my uh affidavit signing off that i can be on video they got that <laughs> signed, they released so so i don't think they're waiting on me anyways so right we'll yeah that, that looked awesome now. that's cool man i can't yeah. wait for that to come out it looked awesome no me too yeah, the kettlebell i mean the body weight itself they, they came out with that one first because it's like I think if you come out with all of it at once or you release the mace or just like one of those kind of pieces of equipment that pulls you in a little bit faster, yeah, then you may may tend to not gravitate towards something like body weight. So they want to focus on wait, you can get so much done just using yourself. Yeah, and do on, <laughs> and that, on that, it's so ahead of the game, man. They know what they're doing. Oh, for sure. They they got a very, very wise strategy and um a great um leadership that's um kind of guiding them through that. Awesome. So I, what things do you think outside of coaching or fitness directly that make you even better at, at your craft as being a coach? See, outside of coaching, um, I would say it, it, it's my life experience through the military. My military background has, mm-hmm. has helped me. And, 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 and my military experience is likely very, very different than others because uh, there's, there's so many paths you can go down, whichever, regardless of branch or rank or that sort of thing, or how many deployments you've been on. It's there, there's so many unique experiences that happen throughout that with such a diverse group of people that I wouldn't have otherwise met had I just gone, you know, the civilian route, mm-hmm. not that there's anything wrong with that um, from, you know, high school to college through, you know, working my way up, uh, um, an employer if during that same that same time that I was in the military doing kind of the, the civilian route uh, it, I just I think I gained so much from that experience yeah so, so if you don't mind um, w- would you share with the listeners on how kind of you got in the fitness industry and kind of your story and how you got to where what you're doing now yeah yeah so how, how far do you want me to go back because that's uh, gonna this could take a while you know? <laughs> I, let's I go uh, we can start third grade or, <laughs> What are we looking at here? Let's go to kind of um, like maybe high schoolish before Perfect. college and how you kind of went to the military and then kind of the steps to where you're at now. Yeah, and I was. I mean, I was at. We'll go a little sooner. I was an eighth grader and I wanted to be an army ranger. Oh, okay. So I was kind of like I was. I had all those like spec ops books. What year is this? Uh, two thousand ninety nine, two thousand. So. Um, I wanted to be an army ranger at face paint, all that stuff. Like other <laughs> Halloween, I'm an army guy. Like, <laughs> yeah. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to like break it up a little bit, but, <laughs> um, but I didn't. So anyways, I was going through high school as an athlete, football, baseball were my two things. Um, 
but that was pretty much it. I was an athlete who played sports. I wasn't a football player or a baseball player. So I could jump high and run fast and change direction quickly, but I couldn't carry a football and not fumble and I couldn't catch a ball or, you know, that, that sort of thing. So the, the skill was kind of the, um, the thing that was holding me back from any sort of uh, furthering <laughs> of that, of that route. You know, I, I wanted to play football in college. I wanted to explore that stuff, but just, it just wasn't happening for me. So, uh-huh. Uh, got accepted to a good school my junior year and going into senior year northern illinois university was going to be a husky uh, so i was excited for that uh, and then um, so my senior year happened my parents got divorced which was kind of like a big turning point for me as an only child especially that's kind of like my you know three people in my household right my dog um, who just had passed away like my junior and the senior year so it was like kind of a just lots of stuff going on at once that um, just didn't make me feel so good and, and took it out on school and more or less not doing anything in school. So, um, actually found out that I got, um, rejected from my, my choice for college at in Northern Illinois. So that didn't happen. I was not going to be a Husky. Um, but, um, during my time in my senior year, like I think it was winter break, I decided to get a haircut. Um, it was like just after Christmas and I came out of the barbershop and right next to the barbershop was a recruiting station. So oh, wow. I kind of looked over and I saw a couple guys just like, we call them smoking and joking. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I have nothing better to do. There was, especially as recruiters, just smoke and kind of talk to each other. So <laughs> yeah, hanging out. That's what they were doing outside of that. It was cold. And uh, I'd come out of the barbershop with kind of like a military style haircut as a 17 year old. So they kind of yelled over to me and was like, hey, you ever um, thought about joining the military? And I'm like, um, yeah, actually I have. And then they're like, I want you to come inside. I got, I got something to show you. <laughs> yeah. So, they were like, Oh, perfect. Uh, Nobody uh, says that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. So, so, so yeah, it's like a gullible 17 year old that didn't have anything better to do at the time. I, um, I walked on in that office and, and then uh, the next day my parents were signing, signing me away because I was 17 and I couldn't do that myself. Mm-hmm. So my, my dad had been air force previously in Vietnam and my mom was, you know, her her father, my grandfather had was Navy in World War II, so it's kind of, you know, they, we they were very supportive. Um, so I I actually joined the reserves out of high school, so I wasn't going to go to basic training until after I graduated, and then I was still at that point I was not going to be deployed or I was not going to be stationed anywhere, mm-hmm. so I wasn't going to go to like some some station uh, stateside place and be there for years and years. I was just going to go back home. So I, I, you know, I graduated from high school. I, um, I got, I went back to back home after school was done. I went through basic training, went through my advanced training for being an engineer. So I started, decided to be a construction equipment operator. And then from there, I just went back home and I was kind of lost at that point. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. So was it more was, like a, kind of like a, almost like loss of identity kind of thing? I mean, my school that I was going to go to that that wasn't happening. So there there was just bad grades. All I saw was in my head was just kind of a failure. I had bad grades. Um, I completed basic training, which is great. But um, that's that only reserve training for those that don't know. um, And National Guard kind of falls. And it's like the same type of thing. Um, It's really just a weekend a month between like, you know, two and four days a month. And then like a couple weeks in the summertime when you get sent out to um, a training a location for training, you know, remotely, they might fly you out somewhere, you know, but you're, you're only doing like uh, in total, like 40 days of work throughout the entire year spread out. So there's not like really much to do. So you, I mean, you got to get a job Yeah, as an 18 year old. You, you, I have to get a job or 19 year old at the time. Um, so 
I was kind of just lost. I mean, I really didn't know what to do. I'm like home all day. I'm just like not really doing much. Um, just kind of like feeling sorry for myself. So I see like this uh, ad on TV and during daytime TV, awful, you know, Jerry Springer type stuff, just <laughs> like just watching commercials and seeing this ad for a technical school uh, for auto mechanics. So I'm like, Hey mom, I want to do that. And told me dad, and they're all good with it. So um did that signed up for that was like a year and a half straight through there was no like uh, summer or anything so it was just like five days a week it was like 8 a.m through 4 p.m 3 p.m something like that mm-hmm. um and then i was uh, i was on track to be a mechanic i was gonna go work at some fancy dealership in my mind i was gonna be a mercedes mechanic or something like that work my way up to that right but um yeah so I, I was working in the field busting tires changing oil while i was in school so it made sense to kind of like get a job that was in the field of auto mechanics so i was <laughs> Smart. At like you're basically your local jiffy lube something like that and worked my way up to like a nicer jiffy lube um and then out of that that job i got deployed uh, because that's the risk that you take when you're in a in a reserve position or national guard is that you you although you're not doing the everyday army stuff um, they could call you up at any point. They could call the un- any unit up at that point. So this is, I mean, this is 2007 at mm-hmm. this point. So I completed the auto tech school. I, I was like in my job making money uh, with what I thought what I felt was good money at the time. And they just kind of like get the orders that say you got to go. And then uh, you got to go. So they, you get like a month or so or a couple weeks to kind of prep yourself and and get your stuff together. And I mean, luckily for me, I didn't have any baggage. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. I didn't. <laughs> I don't know kids like there's no I have no responsibilities a lot of yeah. people in the reserves they got kids and families and things like that so that's more of a burden on them than it was on me like it was just kind of like uh I was I actually wanted to get deployed believe it or not when I had joined in 2004 like my senior year I was I was hoping that I would go I would get deployed within like a matter of months now but, what do you th- what do you think the reason was for that why 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 was what was that drive for that I mean, like that was because I mean, I was especially like kind of in that moment joining the army, like you wanted you and you're in it, you're you're going to basic training, you're doing all that army ins, ins and outs, everyday stuff mm-hmm. for the military. And then all of a sudden you get sent home and then it's just stops. Yeah. It's so you were like, kind of looking to do everything you yeah, learned in that my training. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to do it. I wanted to keep going. But like all my friends that were in basic training, they were all going off to their uh, their active duty posts and going places like the people that I met and, you know, in training, it was a good time. You get make friends for life. That's what you're, you're told and what you think you're going to do, but they're all going different places and I'm just going back home and I have nothing yeah. to look forward to really. Yeah. So it was just kind of like a deflated balloon when I just spent another, this was 2000 and end of 2004 came back from basic and AIT. So it's 2004, five, six, and then into 2007. So I have a couple of years of just like, stagnation which is like it just it kind of sucks everything from you like your your drive to be successful and you know i was trying to i was trying to find what i wanted to do um you know i got kicked out kicked back from from going to university like all my friends did they're all going to four-year colleges at the university of illinois going to michigan state to you know small private colleges elsewhere and it's just like here's grant he's at home um, you know, he's in the military. That's great. But what else is he doing with himself? Not much. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I got deployed and that was like the greatest blessing I could have asked for finally getting deployed in 2007. Not everybody can say that because 
I'm sure you and the viewer, the, the listeners out there have known many people that have either a not come back or had friends that didn't come back or had friends that came back, but they weren't the same. Right. So um, I was lucky enough to, to come back uh, the same as I went over there as far as physically and everything else. Um, no friends or no, um, nobody that I was deployed with in my unit or in the kind of adjacent units was seriously injured or killed. Uh, myself, I was in a combat support unit with engineers and military police. So there wasn't as much of the, you know, no one's kicking down doors or doing any kind of offensive type of, uh, of, of uh, missions. So everything is really about building up what I was, when I was there. So that kind of like started the ball rolling a little bit with mm-hmm. the kind of the building up of things and looking at the kind of the positive aspect of, of life and just everything involved in life. And like, we're, we're building, we're literally over there building bridges. Like the, the unit that I was with in the second half of my two years oh, wow. was, uh, cause I, I d- rewind a little bit. So when I was deployed, I was, I first went over there with a military police unit. So I was an engineer guys and you know, I, I got the hammers and the nails and I'm building stuff and operating equipment. And the other 90% of the unit is cops, you know, or, you know, jail police or that, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then nine months later, they go home. I decided to stay there. And, wow. Um, I, so I went on uh, yeah, voluntarily just kind of extended and you kind of just get stuck with wherever, you know, whoever's, whoever needs your slot, your position, like whatever my, my job was, I just kind of fill in a hole. So I went with a an engineer unit, which was all was nice because it was all people kind of like me and the, my my sort of job and what I did. Um, that unit was a bridging company, so they physically built bridges, kind of improved roads, that sort of thing, and uh, that was a lot of fun. That was that was a good time. So going from like running jails and and maintaining like a prison system uh, with the first group, and then the second group, I was like I was you know on the road outside the wire building bridges and and um you know moving people around and, and making sure that people can get around yeah uh, so that was that was a really uh, enjoyable job and uh, and I, I gained a lot from that and got gained a lot of good friends and and that's and kind of with that second unit i really started to pick up my fitness game because you know there's missions that may last you know eight days in a row where you're not contacting anybody and you're you're outside the wire there's no there's no you know niceties of you know your uh, your western culture and things that you come to expect and know and then when you go back to the base, back to safety, you have your internet, your Wi-Fi, your TV, your friends, your DVDs, your Xbox, whatever. <laughs> yeah. That's all there. That's nice. Um, so you know when you have that when you have that downtime between missions, that's your opportunity to kind of you know it's your self improvement, you know your education. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where you get your your me time kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah. So bodybuilding.com was my me time. <laughs> so that's when um, I like I it. first discovered mark magna had some articles i believe on bodybuilding.com and um so i kind of came across some of his stuff and little did i know that i would eventually be working for him years and years later yeah how but, was that? Uh, <laughs> yeah i kind of came full circle but uh so i yeah just got into the the bodybuilding aspect of fitness kind of the supplement game i think we well, many of us that were uh in the game in the kind of the late 2000s like that time period got really wrapped up in like the the muscle tech and the BFN oh yeah, a hundred percent nutrition and like what's the most effective whey protein isolate I could possibly <laughs> find? I don't care how much it costs. I'm going to buy it because it will make me strong. Yeah, and I'm going like to stack these added. other twenty supplements with it. Exactly, right, right, right. <laughs> this thing by itself is no good. I need at least two more things that are somewhat like it and synerg- work synergistically <laughs> and perfectly timed. Like 
I had that kind of time. <laughs> Believe it or not, I was around this uh, this uh, chow hall, this uh, place where we could eat that they had food served for breakfast, for lunch, uh-huh. for dinner, and then midnight chow. Like the, the chow at like, or the meal at midnight or near midnight. So, yeah, yeah. Like breakfast was like, I don't know, seven or no, it's like six to eight thirty or something then lunch was like 11 to 1 30 and then dinner is like five to seven and then midnight chow is like 10 to 12 or 12 30 so you could you could really get a nice in a nice bulking phase when you're deployed <laughs> if you if you plan it properly and then you should have seen my wall locker it would look like a like a gnc like a little gnc you got a little muscle tech halo over there then you got your I know explode, of course, and like all this stuff. So, so I, I got big into the the lifting with a kind of more bodybuilding like mindset. Yeah. Um, at this point, so like, did you have to like order all your supplements and then get like brought to you like when you're on deployment? As far as like the the stuff that I get, like the supplements. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you, you can order anything when you're deployed. You have the freedom to order literally like you're down the street here in Florida. You know, like you you can just click all the same buttons that you do in the states yeah and you get a little you have to go to the um i forget what they call it, apo or um the the army post office or you have to click a little bit differently but it, it's the, all the same it happens all the same way so it's not like i have to go through like this this process to get things like everything just gets sent to you the same way it would there's people that are in charge of sending packages and 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 getting them to where they should be in country whether it's afghanistan iraq or you know whatever country you're yeah. talking about in a in like a, um, a combat zone um and luckily for me again like this is 2007 8 and into 2009 where this is kind of the you know let's see iraq started in 03 so i mean i'm i'm looking at it like a nice kind of built up uh combat zone or war zone it's not the same iraq it was in in 03 when there's invading forces that are you know this with tanks you know, knocking down iraqi army like left and right and so it's, it was a little bit different at that point wow but um yeah so it had come a long way and i was very very fortunate to be in the situation that i was and i'm very thankful because many many people army marines navy air force coast guard there there were not so that's that's one thing that I always make sure to remind myself of when I'm telling um, telling stories or specific things about my deployment is that like not everybody had it this good as good as I had it. So right. well, yeah, it wasn't like cake, a cakewalk. Like I didn't have those those life changing, altering, negative experiences that that you know could have been uh, you know to take people to bad places. You know, mm-hmm. physically PTSD, that kind of stuff. Like I would, I didn't have to deal with that. So. Yeah, so that, that, gave, that left open the window where I could could share my fitness knowledge and my newfound fitness knowledge mm-hmm. and um, some of my passion with the guys that were in my unit. So I kind of like sent a little small group of guys, you know, mostly like kind of 30 something, 40 something. And this is me. I'm a what, 22, 23 at the time. So it's like, you know, they just want they just wanted some energy. And I was that was me to provide it, whether or not I was. I didn't have a degree. I didn't have a CSCS at the time. I didn't know anything more than what I read in, in muscle and fitness. So, but you know, it needs to, you just had to have the energy. And, yeah. Yeah. And so it happen. do you feel like your coaching career almost kind of like had a mini start, like a mini jump start, like when you're in the military, like with oh, those sure. guys that, that without a doubt, I mean, before that, I can't really think of an instance that put me in that type of that type of situation where I'm in front and I'm leading, you know, anything really. I mean, uh, that wasn't really me. And I wasn't like the 
take charge type and in, in the, you know whether it was high school football I wasn't the captain I wasn't up front I was I was doing what I needed to do but I didn't really take charge in that way so yeah with with fitness that's kind of allowed me the confidence um, to be able to do that that's cool the, high and school all through school I would I tell people public speaking and this is everybody like many people public speaking is probably my biggest fear in life and it still is really to this day but when you're speaking about something that you actually care about and it really matters to you it's it just changes everything yeah it just becomes it's just second nature it's natural it's it's conversational like me and you are talking right now this is not me reading off a script anywhere like you asked me if i wanted to to have any kind of prep questions and i tell you i don't because i want to do it live and it's just like very natural type of thing Mm-hmm. And it's it's so much. I think it's so much better that way. And I, I think that's that also just naturally makes a good coach. Like if you're a people person and you're passionate about what you do and what you love, I mean, it's just going to come naturally to you, and you're just going to have mm-hmm. more success, whether that is with your clients or just building a name for yourself or whatever it may be within the industry. I think just doing what you love and just being naturally passionate about it is is going to supersede everything. That's a great point. That's a, that's a really good summary of of everything I just said there. That's perfect. What? Uh, so you're in the military. How did you kind of go from you? You're talking about going first full circle, reading articles from Mark on Bodybuilding.com, and now you know you're working with him um, at his gym now. So how did how did you go from the military to you know being at Anatomy? Yeah. So there's a couple steps in between um, after I got back from that deployment. Um, I, during the deployment, I, I had, uh, applied to Illinois state university, um, as at this point, I don't have to go off my like high school grades anymore. Cause it's, you know, years later. So, um, <laughs> yeah. got, it, got it, thank God for that. So I got, in, <laughs> got in there. Um, yeah, I didn't, couldn't get into the exercise science degree or the, uh, the, uh, department, the kinesiology department just yet, but I had at least gotten the, with a foot in the door. So I knew that I was going to school. So I felt good about that came back home. I think I came back in May of 09. So I had my, I had my little summer, uh, had my fun during that time. And then you know, went off to, to central Illinois where, um, Illinois state university was, uh, and then went through my four years there during that time worked you know, kind of gold's gym front desk to gold's gym trainer. And that really got my start in the, the private side of fitness thing as I did the military fitness stuff. And then, shifting over into like you know working for a company that that provides fitness services so that was a great experience i'd still look back on that um, and the people that i work with is a very valuable experience at the gold's gym in bloomington normal illinois um so that and then uh where's it going from there so oh and then finishing up school my last semester was a senior senior year internship and so i could pick wherever i wanted to go i could nice stay in bloomington normal or I could go, you know, Chicago, a big, big city and go work in a Equinox or a, I think it was like fitness formula or something. There's like those higher, higher end fitness that everyone kind of has that in. The, if they're going to be a trainer or want to be a trainer, they want to work in a high end fitness facility. It's like, oh, that's where I want to go. Right. But I was like, ah, just doesn't, I'm trying to think of like what I would actually learn trying to shadow or be an intern at a fitness facility. And if like every day, like if I was to do that every single day, like what would I get out of that? I'm like, I mean, I, I could learn something and I probably would, but not as much as if I just dove headfirst into something like com- not new, completely new, but something that's really, really um, outside my comfort zone and what I had been doing to that point. So yeah. I'm just not going to go to another Gold's Gym-esque place or one of those type of places. So I'm like, 
I want to go one, not in Illinois. So I'm leaving home. I'm not going to be around people that know me and I want it that way. Um, and then two, I want to do something sports performance. So that was like where I'm thinking where my head's at. So I had like between a place in Vegas that I believe they either went out of business or just not doing so well right now. And then, oh. um, and then uh, Bomberito Performance Systems in North Miami Beach, Florida. So I went with the with the ladder there, and it was um, the right choice because yeah, went, absolutely, yeah, it, it was it was definitely the way to go. <laughs> uh, they had a really awesome YouTube. They still have it up. There's a YouTube channel for that for that company, and they have some really really creative, great uh, videos that kind of showcase the type of athlete that comes through there. Mostly football and baseball are what they're known for. Uh, the so the NFL veterans that come through there and then uh, the guys that are going into the NFL, the training for the combine. So those, those college guys that are get, getting ready to be drafted there, that's kind of like the, the showcase of what, what that type of facility does. And there's, there's tons of facilities like that, but this particular one had a lot of big time, big name guys. This was like the year after the football, I think there was a strike in 2012 where there was mm-hmm. like a lockout. So a lot of those guys had been in there, been at that facility for a very long period of time during the off season when they normally <laughs> would not have. Um, so they had like guys like Gronkowski were like, they were like second, third year guys, Greg Gronk, and like the uh, Eli Manning was there briefly. Uh, like the, I mean, real like uh, uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, I was there as an intern when um, Le'Veon Bell was coming out of Michigan State. So, oh, very cool. Like I, I knew Le'Veon Bell before he was anything. You know, was, and I was training him, training with him. Um, and I, at this point, I'm an intern, so uh, my my access was limited, and my ability to affect change in these guys was limited. <laughs> but I still got to interact, and that, that was every that's everything. Just being able to interact with a player of that caliber. At that that soon in my career, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know would be really the way I would go or not, um, if it were to to go the sports performance route, I'd been cool with it. If it went somewhere else, I would have been fine too. But like that that stuff was so like I don't even know how to to, to phrase and frame that. Like it was so. It prob- uh, I mean, impactful. it pro- yeah. I was about to say it probably shaped you really quickly. Yeah, it definitely did, and it was like it was trial by fire because if you didn't step up and at least sounded like you know what you're talking about in those warm ups or in the actual workouts themselves, which I eventually got to lead with the big name, with the big guys. Um, Like if you don't sound like you're confident what you're saying, you're screwed. Like they (laughs) can sense and smell fear. Like, and you, it just, even in the little like hesitation in your voice or not being loud enough with a certain cue or just any, like I was wearing my shoes too tight one day. I had like Jordan shoes on. They're like, making fun of me because my shoes were tied too tight. And I'm like <laughs> picking you apart, man. Like, what do I have to do? Like, yeah. How do I get accepted with you? <laughs> like, I thought these shoes were cool. Like these were like awesome. I was really proud of those shoes. Yeah. And like, I just apparently tied them too tight and it just did not look good. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a little thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> you gotta yeah. Watch, you gotta look at your feet <laughs> before you leave the house, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And I, I, I'm sure you've been, like you said before, loving every bit now that you're at anatomy. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean that 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 was where I had received, a, like I mentioned, the trial by fire and tons of education in an extremely short amount of time. This was less than two years. Once I once I got hired on as a coach, luckily after my internship, um, I had been there. I spent about two years there, a little less, and then heard this place was opening called Anatomy, and the uh, one of the owners was somebody who had also previously worked at Bomberito Performance Systems. 
So he at least knew kind of where I was coming from with mm-hmm. my background and training. So I was relatively confident that I would have a good shot at, at getting the job at, um, with anatomy. And I liked what they were about. It was kind of back into the world of private, like one-on-one, you know, small group style fitness. So like, that's what I, where I'd come from with Gold's gym. No, I wasn't doing group fitness with Gold's, but I was at least uh, comfortable with the one-on-one stuff. So kind of working back into that realm, but in a much, much larger market, um, just, it's very different. I mean, you're comparing central Illinois to Miami beach is, is oh, like, two worlds, I mean, two different might worlds. Well be going to China. Like it's, it's, <laughs> it's not even in the same stratosphere, but yeah. um, definitely had value. It took value from that gold experience. Um, I, I t- diverted paths a little bit with the sports performance stuff, but, I, I don't forget it. You know, you don't forget where you came from and what you learned in the past and the mistakes that you made. Absolutely. And the successes that you had. Right. So, I mean, it, I, it all kind of culminated with um, where I'm, where I'm at now in anatomy. And then luckily enough for me, I have freedom in my job that I can sort of, again, do it pretty much whatever I want because of like a major factor with Mark Megna um, being the leader that we have is, is trust. I mean, he like trusts us with, he, he says it this way. Um, I, I like you if I feel like you can train my mother and his, and God rest her soul. His mother passed away yeah. before anatomy opened high standard but, though, for sure. Yeah. Like if, if I feel like he says, this is his words, if I feel like I trust you with my mother to train my mother, then you can work here. Like that has to be like, it's kind of like a unique spin on uh, trust in the way you feel about somebody right. and their personality and just every, just everything about what somebody represents. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was about to say, that's kind of like, if somebody can say that they're not only trusting you as a coach, but as a person and yeah, you know, exactly. everything. And that's, and that's kind of like one of our, our, um, like really our motto of what we've come to adopt is culture is everything. Yeah. At, at this point, that's one major thing that, that we kind of wrap ourselves that we wrap around ourselves um, as like a, it's like almost like a protective shield, um, from all the bad stuff that you can imagine is in Miami and Miami beach. Oh yeah. And, and, it's, and I shouldn't say that. And then it, it, cause it has, it's good. Every city has its good and has its bad. Um, but you just the stereotypical stuff you think of, um, yeah. related to, you know, it's all this clubs and, and drugs and bad stuff, but it's, you know, really is a pleasant place to work and it's an, an oasis and, and an otherwise maybe a little bit less than, uh, you know, a little bit like a superficial type of environment that you'd think. Yeah, that's think cool. South Florida. So, I mean, you're, I mean, for me, you're one of the most influential people I see changing people's lives through health and fitness. And and the best part is you're just doing what you love and being who you are. And I, I really admire you for that. And like, it. and I see like your social media posts and your vo- videos of you coaching many people through all different t- kinds of workouts. And so, you know, what is your goal as a coach when creating an enjoyable experience for your clients and your athletes? Like what, what's your main purpose there? What- my, my number one goal, and I, it's interesting you phrase it that way. Cause I, I've said it this way to clients before. And then other people that have asked me this is that I want you leaving better than when you came in. I want you leave. Sorry. I want you leaving feeling better than when you came in. And that could be construed in many different ways that can be looked at as like physically feeling better. Like I feel energized. Yeah. Um, or you, in most cases in a state of, of mind where I, you feel like you just connected, uh, whether it was with me personally or connected with, um, your body and then where you're going in the future, 
whether it's with the mace, whether it's with just general fitness and wellness, nutrition, things that we discuss. I mean, like just a, a, a path for yourself. If you can, if my client, that person I'm dealing with, that I'm um, interacting with can feel better uh, every time that I see them after that I've seen them for that hour or less or more, mm-hmm. um, then I've, I've been a successful coach. So that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I love that. So, I mean, what do you feel is the best way to motivate someone to work hard and push their limits? Ooh, that's a tough one. <laughs> to motivate to work hard and push your limits. Because not everybody comes in wanting to really push their limits. Right, right. Yeah. But for or those... For those... <laughs> yeah, I could agree with that too. <laughs> like, I think that many out there... Many... Some clients and people that come to the gym and not just anatomy, but other you know, all over, they're thinking that um, I'm paying someone to work to, you know, kind of do the work for me, essentially. Like, yeah, like scheduling this session is is half the battle. Like <laughs> I, I've scheduled this session with this trainer. I don't really have to do much more. I just got to show up and kind of like go through the motion. Like some people think about it that way. Yeah, they really do. They think that almost the, the coach themselves is like the magic pill. Like if I just had yeah. a coach, the results will happen. Right, right, right. Exactly. So like that, they just did most of the work right there by doing the scheduling. Like oh, there's a little bit more to it than that. That was like 5% of the work. You know, the other, you know, maybe like 40% of it was showing up. And there's like another percentage left that um, involves actually physically pushing yourself uh, past where you feel like you can normally go. But um, I, I, I think that um, I think taking people through a very, very, I shouldn't say very, very, maybe just a progression, um, starting with what uh, starting building confidence in the very beginning mm-hmm. so that they know that because they may not know what I'm going to hit them with like what's coming at them and the fear of the unknown can be something that almost holds people back to a certain degree so like giving them little tidbits or little bite-sized pieces of fitness that they can wrap their head around and complete and and move on from yeah without being destroyed physically and mentally <laughs> um like that stuff that stuff can really go a long way in kind of bringing someone along to be able to eventually push themselves to be or to and beyond their limits because they've already completed these other things that I've given them. They know that I'm not here to just, just be like a drill, drill sergeant sweat monster. That's just going to make them just cry, bleed sweat everywhere. Like I'm not that type of coach. Yeah. Like I can give you that if you're really, really, really demanding that asking me for that. But, generally i'm always going to go back to a more balanced approach like we're going to smash these 15 seconds of this interval on the assault bike but then you're going to rest for 45 okay Mm -hmm. you're going to cruise for that time there's going to you're going to work and you're going to rest because i found that over these few years that i've been working at anatomy and before that those that just want to smash all the time, those type A personalities, especially they, they tend to come from New York or have some <laughs> sort of roots in New York. Uh, no offense to anybody coming from New York, but they just want to smash everything. Like fit, like with cardio, with weights, they just want to just go more heavier, more reps, more weight. It's just and that it's all just or nothing approach. Yeah, and then, and that's probably what's made them successful to the point to where they can pay for personal training at anatomy. I mean, so it, it, to, to their credit, that approach works a lot of the time. Yeah. And it, it kind of weeds out any competition that they may have in business or, or in life. Uh, but in the gym and with your body, your body kind of knows best. 
and mm-hmm. um and, and sometimes your brain's telling your body like those in those certain instances that they need to kind of back off a little bit so i know that's kind of like the other end of the spectrum of the, the people that like, that's what i'm dealing with though so you got to know that in the miami beach environment like i've got a lot of those like type eight people that i actually need to pull back the reins a little bit and um and not just allow them to just to, to just kind of kill everything in sight yeah and then, uh, and just I, kind of be de- a dead you know puddle of, of sweat on the floor <laughs> and i can kind of relate to that i mean i have a lot of clients that just they're then just like you said they're trying to crush themselves every time they come here and i try and really uh kind of ingrain in them that you're only going to be as good as what you can recover from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know if you really want to do this at a longevity standpoint then you really have to you know like you said bits and pieces of harder fitness that they can grow off of and not crush themselves with, with every time. Right. And I think that's almost, that's almost a harder person to deal with than um, the other side of things. I mean, kind of going, starting from very basic roots of a movement or a, of an activity and gradually building up is easier. Mm-hmm. Like it, to, to somebody that just wants the hardest thing and the best thing and the most complex, complex mace thing right off the bat, especially, that's that can be tough to deal with because you you don't want to lose them as a client but at the same time you don't you want to do what's right in the way that things are you know, kind of supposed to progress uh based on just what the the strategy that you've laid out yeah um, because they can they can go to bear you know they can go to another local boot camp gym and get smashed and then say hey i just went next door and i just got it just destroyed me and it was awesome like and then <laughs> yeah. you're, you're coming back to you and then you're like well today we're going to do some mobility and and then they're like you know kind of so rolling like, their eyes yeah like what are you Sorry. talking about yeah so that, I, I totally get it and i i uh I, I really think that it's super smart as, as a coach for you to be doing things like that. And, and I, I totally agree to just kind of, you know, getting those people to pull back the reins a little bit. And uh, I, I just think overall, that's going to make your coaching better long-term because you need to find that blend of, you know, what the client wants and balance it with what they need to. Exactly. So you, are you always, no matter the circumstance um, you may think that, the customer is is always right or they're not always right but the customer is always the customer so as long as they're a customer you're gonna give them what they want yeah yep safely safely it may not be the most optimal thing it may not be optimal for their the the perfect training progression but you it really you really that's okay yeah that that is secondary tertiary let it go that's down the list Mm -hmm. the most important thing is that they're moving in the right direction they're getting what they want and they're being safe yeah so like if, if it's kind of like clashes with your like particular style and there's plenty of people that i've trained that have like they've they've wanted to go certain ways that i wasn't really um open to in the beginning with their with their training what they want to do in each session and how the tempo of the session goes but i sort of just I just it's it's okay it's really okay to, to train someone <laughs> a little bit, maybe um, away from the style that you're comfortable with or you believe is most optimal. So mm-hmm. I just kind of, you really just kind of got to go with it. Yeah. And just, I, I think that, I think that's actually a really big point that often gets overlooked and some people get stuck into a, a, a dogmatic mindset. I, I'll call mm-hmm. it just in the sense of like, because you know, a certain way of what may be an optimal way to train for you, it's maybe it's not good for everybody else. And, and I think yeah. that 
coming in with like a multifacet approach and, you know, blending what they want, what they need and, you know, other different things. I think that's, I think that's really smart. And I, I don't, I think that other coaches, whether they're new or been in the game for a while, really need to remember that or learn that to really deliver what the client needs and, and wants to give them the most success. Exactly. And the best part is like you give them what they want in the beginning and it may not be optimal. If they stick around with you eventually over the course of time, you can get to the point where, you can develop enough trust and introduce something that maybe is more kind of like what you want it to do right. as a trainer. Yeah. So like you can get to that point. It doesn't have to be like a, a zero sum game or a black and white issue. It's like it can gradually fade or change and shift over towards the direction that you were originally intending. Yeah. I really like that. So with your skill set uh, and being so diverse in so many different training styles, do you feel like that, attributes to your success with your clients and maybe even more your client retention um well it's, i'll start with the retention because that's I, I pride myself on that more than really anything else like related to one-on-one -on -one training mm -hmm. is that that really is almost entirely interpersonal relationships developing those and really kind of the little things the the happy birthday text and like the you know, on holidays and just, and the most important part, I think for a trainer, because we all text so much and that's like by far the most uh, common way of interacting with people. Like if you counted all the unique messages sent through text, that would probably far outnumber the, um, the amount of other ways of, of interacting with people throughout your day. Mm -hmm. I can agree with just that for sure. It happens so it happens so frequently, so often. It's with so many different people, and like in an instant, it's right on your hand, right in your phone. So, um, being very, very careful with how you message people, and and more so messaging with with care in your voice and your you know your text voice, and so it doesn't sound like you're always just kind of saying, "What time are you training tomorrow?" Okay, see you then. <laughs> yeah. Like you're not you're not you're not giving these like blurbs of like robotic response. You're actually saying, hey, like, hey, how was your weekend? Like texting instead of saying, hey, what time are we training Monday on when I'm messaging them on Sunday? It's it's hey, how was your like because we talked about what they were going to do this weekend. How was the, the boat ride or the boat trip or how was your Bahamas vacation? Yeah, that's the first question. And then they, those little things go so far mm -hmm. into into just developing a relationship. And it's not even like it's not like some kind of underhanded thing to do. It's just being trying to be a good person and, and ma making them happy in the relationship. The trainer client relationship just makes you happier as a trainer. So oh, that, yeah. that's what that's what can prolong and, and delay this this stuff that's always talked about that burnout that people always refer to. I think that happens mostly through getting run through with with dozens and eventually hundreds of different clients like you can you're it, it's almost like a, a perpetual cycle of failure if you're the trainer that just gets a bunch of leads trains somebody for a few weeks or a month or days or whatever it comes out to be and then that person goes away and they get a new one yeah like i i can count on one hand how many leads i've, I've received from anatomy in 2018 because it's it's, it's there's only a few and because I just keep the people that I have and then the new people that I gain because of it, inevitably people go away to, especially in Miami, they're very seasonal. So mm -hmm. the, 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 the people that go away to Europe or New York, Canada or wherever, um, and, and the people that I gain to replace those people are just people that are around the gym that notice that, you know, maybe that I have more time to train or they just, it just kind of happens over the course of time that people want to 
be around your energy based on yeah. the way you interact with people. And they see you not just, you know, giving fist bumps and looking at your iPad um, and nodding your head and saying good job, but you're like gen, you have a genuine look of, of uh, caring about what the person that you're dealing with, your client, or even just a random member on the floor that's not your client, um, just how you interact with people. Yeah. And others want to be a part of that. I think that's huge to, you know, long-term success as a coach, because, you know, you can, and we've talked, I've talked this, you know, with people before on the podcast and it's, it's not, you know, having the certifications and the education is awesome, but if you can't connect well and provide a positive experience with your clients, you're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. And building that relationship and, you know, having, you know, still keeping it professional. But like you said, finding that connection, asking them how their boat trip was or how the family is doing that, like you said, it goes so far, you know, in, in, in building that relationship. And again, that trust that can also, you know, bleed into the training aspect of getting introducing new things like we were talking about earlier. And I think that just being a good person authentically, just in general, mm-hmm. is going to mm-hmm. is going to bring you far. Without a doubt. No, that's what I've found is, has been more helpful than anything else is just purely developing interpersonal relationships with the people that you see every day, client or non-client, just being nice to everybody. <laughs> really oh, yeah. So um, kind of bringing this podcast to a closure, last couple of questions here. Um, what's been your most rewarding experience as a coach? Most rewarding experience? Um, man. Which, which path should we go down? <laughs> um, it's a good one. That's a, that's a good one. Um, I mean, I would love to just point to like a success story of like a weight loss type thing, but yeah, anything you choose. Any. I, I mean, I I get more satisfaction out of developing, almost developing other people that are involved in fitness. And, and, and whether they're becoming trainers or whether they're competing in some type of event mm-hmm. and they previously maybe were like a, a complete non-athlete or somebody that was just on sedentary uh, working a desk job, but then developed the the passion through the, the, the relationship that we have, like based or uh, kind of throughout the relationship that we've had. So I, I'd say there's a client in, um, at, in my, the original Gold's Gym that I work out, I worked out at or I had trained at in uh, central Illinois that she became a, a strong woman competitor. So she took on like the, the Atlas stones and like the, um, the tires and the kind of like the sandbags and those sort of things where they're competing like the world's strongest man type stuff. Yeah. Um, but the, the women's division and she's at the time, I think she's my age, maybe a few years older. And before that, she, she was over 200 pounds. She's my you know, normal female height, like five, seven, eight, nine, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, she was overweight. I'd say probably 30 or 40 pounds overweight. She lost a bunch of that weight during our training time. And then also, and then throughout the time we were training, she started to pick up some of the methods that I was using at the time. So I was, I was kind of bodybuilder in college. I was like bodybuilder and then shifted into strongman, but did it kind of, there was like an overlapping period where mm-hmm. I did both at the same time. Nice. Really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> as being a super lean strongman, it's kind of like, you're just uh, kind of odd man out, but, uh, it's probably awesome though. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. It was best of both worlds and worst of both worlds. 
but um but anyways she so she was my client at golds and we both kind of got into that stuff at the same time so she she had first like looked at the bodybuilding style training and was working with that she was very naturally strong so once she got the diet in in on track that was it just it kind of shot up her strength shot up and she just got so passionate like genuinely passionate about fitness and and um and went on the path of becoming a trainer and helping people herself. So she's a national level competitor, uh, Jessica kite. You can look her up. Uh, she's, she's gone places and she's done big things. And, um, you know, we, I'm not, I don't, I don't stay in contact with her as much as, as I wish I, as I wish I had a, a lot of the clients that I had back in Illinois, but uh, I'm still friends on Facebook and there's interactions here and there. And it's just yeah. like the, those type of experiences where you see someone come from, literally nothing fit in the fitness sense mm-hmm. um and build themselves up and it's like it's nothing that i did but it was just me really just kind of showing the way yeah like Co- i didn't show doing your her, job as, did, a, as a good coach that's all that's that's what it is i think showing the way for people is the most satisfying thing about being a trainer and a coach mm-hmm. um and that's most more recently i see it in the in the unconventional and the kind of the on it realm that we're talking about um, with the mace and the club is, is just ins- inspiring people to pick up one of the tools and adopt it and just, just n- wanting to lo- learn more and know more about it and just exploring it because that's what it is. It's a tool of exploration because it's so much of it is, is so dynamic and uh, multidimensional that you can really just kind of make shit up as you go along <laughs> and turn it into something. You can yeah. see a lot of people out there that do that um, with maces, clubs and other pieces of equipment and they do a really good job. And just because there is no book written on how it's supposed to be done, mm-hmm. you need you need to get your head out of that mindset of thinking there needs to be a rule book in the first place. Yeah. So, um, so develop your own rule book, or develop your own path, I should say, and and go with it. Like just believe in yourself and go with it because fitness. Think about fitness in the in the sense of an industry compared to anything else that's out there, and how how much of an infancy it's in right now oh yeah like if you compare it to like i don't know telecom like can you go go and start a telephone company and and just start selling cell phones <laughs> uh, you can't really do that so there, i think there's a thing called barriers to entry and in many interest in the many industries that doesn't really allow you to do certain things yeah i mean you can you can go and be an accountant and start an accounting firm and be an accountant right you could probably be a really really good accountant but there's so there's kind of a ceiling on how far you can go on being an accountant like there's just not you, you can you can keep moving on up and you can work 100 hour weeks at at um you know one of the big four and really do big things but um there's still kind of like a barrier to entry and being successful in certain industries and i would say in most industries um so being an entrepreneur in the fitness industry is at this time in 2018 is something unlike really any anything else you can compare to would you i mean what do you think about that uh i mean dude i I can completely agree because i mean this is just like like we said way in the beginning this this career field and industry has just so many pathways that you can go down um and it's just unreal what you can do in this industry and and i really think that sharing as much knowledge as we can. And I, I really like what you were talking about before is educating other people uh, or other professionals or whatever it is, because that, that's the whole goal of this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if we can really kind of get out there and, you know, blaze our own trail and, and do what we're passionate about and do what we love, I really think that makes the industry as uh, strong as a collective um, and can really bring some different pieces to the table if that kind of answers your question. 
Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. So, um, you know, what's last two questions here. What's one thing that you can take? What's one thing that somebody else, a coach or whoever can take away from this podcast and start using today to make themselves a better coach? I would say um, you need to identify three things that you would like to explore further. So that could be like educational opportunities um, through an organization. That could be um, spending time interning at a company. And that, I know that's, that's kind of challenging sometimes. If you have a job and it's like you can't really that is shut down your life and dedicate some, your life to something else uh, that you just want to do, um, even though you may not get paid or get paid that much. But you need to find three things that you really want to kind of explore further um, and figure out a way to connect with the people that are in charge of, of putting you on a path to, um, I would say, to really take hold and seize one of those opportunities on one of those three paths. Because though that's essentially what I did with all the stuff with Bomberito and with the military as it kind of sees where I was at and I just went all in. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it was at different points in time. So I, I'm not telling people to do three things at the same time. Cause that's, you're spreading yourself thin and you can't and like at anatomy. Like we, we take full-time career trainers. We don't take people who want to side hustle and train 10 people a week. It just, we don't do that. So, right. um, really the, the idea and the goal would be to narrow it down to one thing that you really want to pursue with a passion and you, you have to go all in on it and it, it's, and you're going to have to connect with the people that are in charge of that organization or at some level where you can connect with a person and talk to them about, about following your path to become either become what that person or whether the organization is all about or at least educating yourself so you can do it on your own. Yeah, I love that. Because, I mean, it's going to really help you. Doing it on your own is a good path for many, but a lot of people just, they're not natural entrepreneurs that can just make shit happen up, you know, on their own. Yeah, yeah. You, to, and it's you, tough. Need, you need the, somebody. You need a person. If I didn't, if I went to, uh, if I heard Anatomy was opening, and honestly, if it wasn't Mark Megna, and everybody who hasn't looked up Mark Magna on Instagram or Facebook or anything else, look him up. Um, like he is a natural born leader who puts other people in front of him and wants to create a culture of positivity in, in life and in fitness. So that's essentially like <laughs> that's the kind of a, a culmination of what I feel like most people in fitness want to try to do with with their their life themselves and then create that in others lives. So yeah. I, I couldn't. I couldn't see an, an, a better path for me to follow than to simply trust what he was going to put ahead of me, know that he had good, good intentions. And I really didn't No one really knows. So you don't know what's in a person's heart. You don't know what someone's thinking. So you kind of have to have a feel for it in a sense of, is this, is this going to, is this going to carry me further? Is, is this going to be some, can I trust this person? Can I trust this organization? It doesn't always work out. People, you know, businesses go out of business oh people yeah can, people can deceive so that you have to kind of you have a filter for that stuff and that's and that's just life yeah you, you figure that stuff out as you go mm-hmm. so so it may not work out always on the first try but at least what you'll know what not to do next time ah, so love that. um that's that, that's really it is kind of narrowing down starting with three things and kind of narrowing it down to one to where it's really practical path that you can pursue 
um, and, and, and I would say an education of fitness because the education or at least pursuing the education will bring you to the people because that's yeah. where it comes to. It, was, it comes down to finding the people because mm-hmm. once you connect with the person uh, and you know the person and you've spoken with them and you've had interactions, then the education is secondary. And it's just that's just physical stuff on paper and on PowerPoints like you can you can that that changes anyways it usually is obsolete in a few years so like just knowing the person at least you can go to the source and kind of and like make things happen from there yeah um that that's awesome man i love that and um but grant dude i just want to acknowledge you and uh thank you for your service and thank you for the time to sit down with me today and kind of share all these amazing pieces of information uh and your story uh, and I also want to acknowledge you for your big heart and uh, passion for what you do. It really shows in the people you work with and, you know, how you talk and h- how you kind of represent yourself. And I really, I really admire that. And especially for how down to earth you are and for always looking to be not only making yourself better, but to try and make everybody else around you and who you come in contact with better. So uh, I really appreciate that, man. And I, I thank you for everything you do. Well, thank you, Tim. That that does mean a lot. I appreciate you saying that. Um, but hey, man. But where where can everybody else find you at? Social media, website. What's all that? Where they can connect with you? Yeah, social media is uh, at We Diddy. Uh, last name's Weedit. So this was a nickname I got uh, on my deployment. So kind of just stuck. Um, I, didn't even, I didn't even like the guy that gave me the nickname, but it kind of just stuck. It sounded good. So uh, instead of Weedit, it's We Diddy at We Diddy W E E D. I D D Y. So, and actually, believe it or not, I met P Diddy um, two days after taking the, the job at Anatomy. Oh, nice! And, uh, yeah, we shot a music video for Beats Beats by Dre, <laughs> and it was in in Anatomy, and and P Diddy was there. So we Diddy met P Diddy very soon after Anatomy launch. That, uh, that's that epic. Cool. That's awesome. <laughs> that was pretty epic. I I keep that picture like in my favorites. Make sure to keep that there. But it was Diddy right next to We Diddy. <laughs> so. I should use that as a profile picture, but I don't. Um, so that's pretty much, that's my social media. You know, I'm on Twitter, same name. Um, but Instagram's my spot. Um, and then my website is grantweedits.com, launching some online PT coming up. So I'm in a beta phase right now. But uh, if anybody is interested, they can always reach out to me on Instagram or through um, through that website. Awesome. Awesome. Grant, thanks again so much, brother. I really appreciate you taking your time out to uh, spend some time on the show with me. And I hope to have you back sometime in the future for another episode. I appreciate you having me, Tim. Thank you. All right, man. Have a great night.